0: If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Ali, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm excited to have Patricia Ask on the show today. Patricia is the founder and principal of Aspire, which is dedicated to preserving the goodness of companies through defining and codifying core values. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. So, Pat, I am so delighted that we could make this work today. And thank you. Huge shout out to our friend Mark Whitaker. I always want to let people know you never know who is on the other side of a connection. Our mutual friend, Mark, said the two of you need to know one another. And he was right. (laughs) We do need to know one another.
1: We do. And I am delighted to be with you today, Lisa. This is just great. I know we'll have fun. Oh, we definitely are going to
0: have fun. So I know you're in Nashville now, but you were not born in Nashville. You were born in Michigan. I want to tell our listeners a little bit about how you grew up.
1: I love what uh, you say about your dad. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Well, I was raised on a dairy farm in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. The youngest of three, my dad was an equal opportunity kind of guy before it was a law. So <laughs> I was raised in a very faithful home. My mother was a spiritual leader of our home and we worked together. I mean, The work ethic was a huge part of it, but also the sense of duty and responsibility and being part of something bigger than yourself was really a key element of growing up. They believed in education, so we all went to college and chose totally different career
0: paths. Well, I know for you, you chose something in dietetics, and we'll talk about that. I love the farm life. (laughs) I've got so many friends, Pat, that grew up on farms. And so much of what you said, you know, you understand teamwork. The work ethic is like bar none because, you know, when you've got animals in that, you know, if you're not there doing it, then nobody's doing it. And so, right. So I know that, you know, you started out your career as a dietitian. But you know what I really want to get into, truly, is I know that you're a 25-year executive at ServiceMaster. ServiceMaster is a global Fortune 100 company, $7 billion in revenue, what, 14 different operating companies, 5,000 locations. It was a huge job, and you've done a lot of different things. Tell our listeners, if you would... I know that they've heard of Service Master, but they may not understand all of the different brands and the operating units under Service Master. There's a lot under there.
1: Well, at the time, the 14 operating companies were made up of brands that were more well known, many cases, uh, than Service Master. TerminX, True Green Chemlon, Maids, American Home Shield, Furniture Medic, all the different components. There were two elements of it. There was a institutional side, and then there was the consumer residential side. So we were in healthcare, education, business and industry, basically throughout the world.
0: Yeah. So I know our listeners are going to be familiar with a lot of those brands. But before we get into what you were doing there, I do want to talk to you a little bit about culture. And I know culture was really important at ServiceMaster. And you guys had four main objectives. You know, you say culture is very company specific. The culture of a company is made up of the values and beliefs, but the values and beliefs are values and beliefs of the people in the company. You know, it's all interconnected. But why don't you tell our listeners about the objectives at ServiceMaster?
1: We have four objectives to honor God and all we do to help people develop, to pursue excellence, and to grow profitably. Uh, The first two goals were the end goals. The last two were the means. And remember, we were a publicly traded company. We had to hit the quarters. We had to hit the year end. Our mission was to be an ever-expanding and vital market vehicle for use by God, to work in the lives of people as they serve and contribute to others. Obviously, we were a service company. The service. (laughs) And culture, I think Peter Drucker said it best culture, each strategy for breakfast. And our culture was a key element of the uniting. It was the uniting factor. We grew a lot by acquisition starting in about 86. We had significant expansion. And so when we think of culture... That's one of the key areas of culture vulnerability is rapid growth.
0: And the thing that you say about this, Pat, is these are not mutually exclusive. Right. They're not. You can't
1: decide one day, well, we're going to honor God today and forget about profit. You just can't do it. Or we're going to pursue excellence and forget about developing people. So, And they weren't a shield to hide behind. We couldn't hide behind the objectives for non-performance. For sure. I mean, you had shareholders. I mean, you know, it's like if you pursue the
0: developing people, but you're not growing profitably, you're not going to be in business. You're not going to have people to develop. (laughs) So I think that's so good.
1: And to your point about shareholders, that's the stewardship part of it. Absolutely. Those shareholders invested money in our company. And we had an obligation and responsibility and duty for those shareholders from a stewardship perspective.
0: Yeah. Very good. So all very interconnected. Well, I want to talk about, because you had, I don't know, nine lives. <laughs> when you were service master, I said you had so many different roles. I mean, you were president of the service master management. You were the VP of hospitality, the SVP of strategic management performance improvement. You did so many different things when you were there, Pat. And the question I want to ask you, If you were going to speak to a younger woman that is on her career trajectory, how did you have the confidence that, you know, you could step into those things and the courage to step into all of those different roles? Did you always get tapped on the shoulder or did you ever raise your hand? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Part of the service master philosophy was development through new roles, and responsibilities, kind of a succession planning. So I grew up in management services and the contract management side. But when I was promoted to corporate, you had to learn the consumer side of the business and the residential side of the business. So once you left your little world, you know, I grew up in dietetics and food service. Then I took on more responsibility in healthcare, and then ultimately education and that from a development perspective. And then move to the corporate world of service master. My advice is don't wait until you know everything before you raise your hand. You're going to learn as you go. You're going to have people around you. You know, 51% of being smart is knowing what you don't know and then find an expert that does. Because if you wait until you know everything, you'll never take on more responsibility. And what I learned, it wasn't the knowledge I had as much as it was the questions to ask.
0: I love that. And I think that's the misnomer sometimes because I think women think, oh, I don't know enough about that. So I can't do that. But like you said, Pat, you're not supposed to. So that is something I definitely want to get into because I know that you are a person that asks great questions. And so (laughs) I want to talk about that more. But, you know, as we talk about culture and, you know, technology partners, we have core values. But here's what you say. Core values cannot be measured or observed. Behaviors can. So you have to map behaviors to the core values. And you say you have to have your behaviors hardwired into your performance reviews, into your hiring decisions, all of those things. And you'd mentioned Peter Drucker before. And I know that you're a Drucker student. And one of his famous quotes is you can't manage what you can't measure. Right. So you have to have something measurable. And you say behaviors are the thing that are measurable. So can you just talk about in a practical way? If you were consulting with technology partners right now, how would you tell us to make sure that these behaviors, how would you map those back? And that may help our listeners as they're thinking through this.
1: One of the things that we need to recognize as leaders when we want to preserve our culture is how do we really know it's even at risk? And usually there are three areas of vulnerability, rapid growth succession planning, leadership change, or mergers, acquisitions and divestitures. So, those are kind of those vulnerability times we need to be highly aware of it as we've grown. Now, we have values. The interesting thing about values, if you do not put operational definitions to those values, everybody's thinking a different thing. So, What does servant leadership mean to you? Well, you go and talk to five people, you're going to get a different definition. What does trust mean? If we don't as an organization have an agreed upon operational definition of when we say trust, we mean it could be predictable, consistent behaviors in consideration of the common good. Maybe that's trust, but you need an operational definition. Then we have to ask ourselves, what does trust look like? What behaviors do we expect to see evident when trust is being practiced in the workplace? Because you can observe a behavior. And when you don't see evidence of it, you can coach. Right. So what happens is you set yourself up for continual teachable moments. And it allows the person not only to be, but to become. What are you becoming as a result? I love that. Being part of the organization. Yes. It's
0: more tangible (laughs) feeling. Well, Pat, we've got so much more that we need to talk about, but we do need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Patricia Ask. Hi everybody, I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360 degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out of the box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. Welcome back, everyone. We were just talking about some really good, good stuff. But for a company, you know, we're talking so much about culture and we're talking about how important it is, but what kinds of data could someone be looking at? What are those red flags that possibly your
1: culture is getting a little wobbly? Here are a few. Turnover rates. Litigation cost, hard time filling positions, workers' comp claims, and so you begin to look at the data if you're doing an employee survey, some of your engagement criteria could be what is starting to erode and it's important to pay attention. you know we talked about that, pat it's called
0: a red flag for a reason. <laughs> we cannot bury our head in the sand. I love the engagement we do that, you know, we always. There's a third party that does the best places to work. And we always pay extra money to get the information back because we're like, we don't want to just know our score. If there's any detractors at all, right, you know, from our net promoter score, we want to know what those are, what the people are saying so that we can fix it. But if you're not doing those assessments, It's really difficult to make adjustments when you don't really know how people are feeling about things.
1: And it changes. When you think of the pandemic, you know, mental health is probably the number one issue for people having gone through this very traumatic time. Yes. So when we look at engagement post that period of great isolation, and some people still are not back in the office. And guess what? Some people will never be back. It's true. Some people will choose to work remotely. And so we need to keep, you know, really testing of where are we? Where are our people right now? Mm-hmm. Because
0: it changes. That's a great point. It's not a one and done.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that is really good. So we've talked about this a little bit, Pat, but why should we care? Why should we spend so much? much of our time and our energy and our resources around this subject. And you've got a
1: great philosophy on this. Well, I believe uh, Marketplace has been my mission field forever. The Marketplace and business leaders and the goodness of their organizations, the goodness of their companies are really making the difference. So if we are going to unite at community, state, federal, global, levels. It will be the culture that will unite us. And we can really be world changers.
0: Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And if that is really the case, then we should put a great deal of emphasis on preserving that culture, because if we don't, it will go away, and therefore the goodness. (laughs) Right. And so this is why leaders really do need to put more emphasis on this. But you have something really that I love that you say about your heart, your mind, and your hands. (laughs) Tell our listeners what you say about that.
1: Frequently when leaders are empathetic, compassionate leaders, they get labeled as they have a big heart. But we have a business to run, right? Right? Just because we're big of heart doesn't mean we're small of mind or slow of hand. And I think as leaders, it's same thing with our objectives of service master, they weren't mutually exclusive. But if we do not, as leaders touch the hearts of our people, we will never unleash the full potential of that person. And when we speak in heart language, And we believe in heart actions. People just want to get up and dance (laughs) and are really jazzed, right? Yes. Fly to the moon without a face mask because we've touched the very essence of who they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what are some practical ways, Pat, that you in your own personal leadership or that you saw a service master do that? I mean,
1: how do you touch the heart of the employee? Just give us a few practical ways. Number one, no matter how big you are, use the person's name. A person's individual name is probably the most important thing to them. Right. Acknowledge. When you ask, how are you doing? Stick around long enough to hear the reply and look them in the eye and say, does the body language match the words coming out of their mouth? Sincerely care about people. <laughs> you know, there's the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's true.
0: I agree. You know, Pat, that reminds me, I've got a good friend, Jeff Henderson. He was the CMO for Chick-fil-A. And he said he got to drive Truett. And he said he was all prepared and thinking Truitt was going to, you know, talk about the company. And he said the whole time they were driving, all Truett did was ask him about his family. <laughs> He just wanted to know all about his family. But, you know, that was the kind of leader he was. So I could not agree with you more. I mean, these organizations are made up of people. Human beings (laughs) do not lose the humanness of being a human being. So good. And I know that you have a whole philosophy on diversity and inclusion. You know, if you want to say one thing about that, and then we'll get into something
1: extra. We'll go to Genesis. All people are created in the image and likeness of God. And therefore, they have inherent value and worth and are to be treated with dignity and respect. All is capitalized.
0: Not some clearly says all people, right? And I know you and I have talked a little bit about success. And I said, it all comes down to people. And what does success personally mean to you?
1: Success for me is ensuring I have always have people at the ready for the next opportunity, and that I never go through the door alone, that I'm always taking someone with me.
0: That's great words of advice. We need to be lifting each other up, pulling each other forward. So I love that. Well, Pat, let me ask you this. This is something extra. What do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs?
1: To me, it's very simple. Treat everyone with dignity and respect, no matter what the title no matter what the job they're doing is, they are creating the image and likeness of God. I love
0: that. Well, Pat, what is coming up for you? I'd love for you to be able to tell our listeners about anything you're excited about, how they can get involved.
1: What would that be for you? I am so excited about preserving the goodness of companies and organizations. Today, more than ever, it's necessary, it's needed, and... For business to be the world changers that we know is absolutely mission-critical to bring together our world, right now, for me, is the time. And I couldn't be more excited about helping leaders do that.
0: Right. So I know that you have Aspire. And you know what? This is so funny. I just had a light bulb moment, (laughs) Pat. You know, I think of aspirational goals and that, and I'm like, where, because I know ASP is capitalized, and I'm like, now where does that come from? (laughs) It's your last name. (laughs) I just had a light bulb moment. So Aspire Consulting, and this is to help clients align their purpose, culture, business strategy for growth, and sustainability. And so how would people find you if they want to learn more about Aspire?
1: Just go to Patricia Asp. Com. There you go.
0: Well, Patricia, thank you so much. This has been so much fun for me. And I know that you gave a lot of the good stuff away today. So thank you. Our listeners will thank you as well. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> this has been a delight.
1: Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.